0: Okay. Welcome. I want to greet all of our family across our network, and if you're a guest with us, just want to say thanks for being here. This is week two of What If, a journey through Philippians where where we are taking time to imagine the possibilities as we ask ourselves some life-changing "what if" questions. You see, every significant movement in history has started when somebody asked a "what if" question. Christopher Columbus asked, "What if the world really isn't flat?" Thomas Edison asked, what if we can have light from a different source? Even more recently, Blake Mikowski, the founder of Tom's Shoes, asked the question, what if we created a company that would give away a pair of shoes to a child in need for every pair of shoes we sold? What if? And the Apostle Paul asked the question, what if I can still live sent even from prison? Every significant movement in history has started when somebody asks a what if question. So we're taking time this summer to walk through the book of Philippians asking our own what if life-changing questions. Now this isn't only just week two of what if, this is also Father's Day weekend and I realize we have some fathers in the house here and at Bettendorf and even online and so I want to start by just taking a moment to ask a what if question about our dads, a what if question about our dads. Check this out. If you don't get off that Xbox, I will make sure you never play it again. Listen, if you don't settle down and go to bed, you can sleep outside tonight. Little girls who aren't grateful don't get any presents at Christmas. clothes that are still on the floor in 10 minutes are gonna be given to someone who really needs them. fighting or I'm turning this car around right now. Oh, what if? Interesting perspective. But listen, that that may reflect you or your dad, but dads, we just want to say thanks today. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for serving and caring. My prayer is that you will feel the love and appreciation of your family and our Lord this weekend as they celebrate you. That, that video does give us a unique perspective, which, again, may or may not reflect you as a dad or your dad, but perspective actually is important. P- perspective matters. It, it, it positions us to think and respond a certain way to whatever we're experiencing. Let me show you some examples of what I mean by perspective, just through some pictures. Here's the first one. This, this is that old, like, stand and hold the sun moment. So based on the right angle and right timing, it gives us a perspective, and perspective is important. Here's another picture. It's the lean on or kick over the leaning tower of Pisa. The right angle, right timing gives us perspective. And sometimes that perspective is helpful. Sometimes it's not helpful. Like in this next picture, the right timing was more like bad timing for this guy. But it's funny, right? The right timing, right angle can, can be impactful. In fact, you can, we can go to the next level in the next picture, and we actually have the statue making the shot, Right timing, right angle, the statue makes the shot. In the next picture, the bird is making, well, the bird's flying. The right angle, the right perspective. Now, sometimes that can be helpful, sometimes it can be hurtful, and we can actually have the wrong impression or wrong perspective. Like, consider this next picture. So this is like the, the original flat screen TV, the LCD, and it looks like a great place to actually watch the game and have that thing in your house. But if you actually move around the other side of the wall in this picture, you find a different perspective. It's one of those old school mammoth TVs just shoved through the hole in the wall. Sometimes we can, with the one angle and timing, we can have the wrong perception. Even in the next picture, this is a, you got tape running across a room. But when you move around to another angle, you see that the tape is actually in the room and not across the front of the room. See, perspective matters. It's important. With the wrong perspective, it impacts how we think and how we respond to things in life. And, and sometimes that can be helpful, but, but when we have the wrong perspective, it often puts us into a bad situation. But with the right perspective, well, now we can actually do better. We can actually even endure more things in life. When we understand the why behind the what, things change. Like, think about it this way. We, we will endure pain through working out, exercise, thrift, through lifting weights for fitness, right? It's like no pain, no what. Gain. It's the gain that allows us to endure the pain. We'll do that even in our health. We'll clean out a cut because we know that it's, once it's clean, it'll heal better. We'll, we'll, in areas of personal hygiene, we'll push back the cuticles on our fingernails and we'll pluck hairs and we'll use dental floss until our gums bleed for personal hygiene. It's the, it's the gain that comes through the pain. Even moms, you endure the pain of childbirth to give the gain of life. And dads, you endure chick flicks to demonstrate your love to your lady. <laughs> yes, yes. Perspective matters, and it enables us to do things we wouldn't normally do. It enables us to do things we wouldn't normally do. If I were going to ask for one volunteer here at Rock Island or at Bettendorf, and I was going to ask that volunteer to be you and, and you, and I was asking you to stand, and you stood right where you're at, you might be willing to do that. But if I didn't explain anything else around that invitation, and I just left you in that standing position for the rest of this service, you may begin to rethink your willingness to stand. In fact, after a a few moments, your feet may start to ache. your, Your back could start to feel sore. You realize people are looking at you. You start to feel uncomfortable. You begin to ask why and what for. You could get bored. You could quit and sit down. That wouldn't be unreasonable, I think we'd all think about that and do it that way. But if I did the same thing and I said, Look, I need one volunteer, you're that volunteer, I ask you to stand, and I say, Look, I will give you $100 for every minute that you stand, up to 30 minutes. Well, that's a different story now, isn't it? (laughs) You still feel the pain in your back and your feet, and the people are still looking at you, and there's the same duration of time, but none of that matters anymore. You're no longer asking what for, you're asking what if. What if I could? What if I did? See, perspective matters. And perspective that holds the idea or goal of living for something more, something greater, begins to change everything. Being in a circumstance with a reason is much different than being in the same circumstance without a reason. Standing for $100 a minute is one thing. (laughs) Standing with no reason at all is another. To stand with a reason gives perspective, and perspective matters It matters, and the missionary and church planter, Paul, held a perspective that radically changed his life. He held the perspective that it was Christ over all things, Jesus first, and he lived in a way where his life would proclaim who Jesus was, and he prayed faithfully in that journey because he understood that there is a greater purpose in circumstances, and that changes everything. What if we live with that same Christ-centered perspective? What if we surrendered to something bigger than our circumstances? Or better yet, what if our circumstances weren't as important as what we did with them? What if our circumstances weren't as important as what we did with them? That's your first fill-in if you're using the guide today. What if our circumstances were not as important as what we did with them? What we could achieve through them? What could be accomplished through them? Through them, I want to take a look at this today, and I want to do that through a passage in the book of Philippians. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and click or turn to Philippians. We're in the New Testament. You have First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. We're in chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 12. And this is a letter that was written by Paul while he was in prison. In fact, his prison journey started years before the moment he was writing this letter. It started in a place called Caesarea after his third missionary journey. See, if we take a look at a map here, we'll actually see that, that Paul spent about two years working in Ephesus, ministering in Ephesus, and up and visiting the churches that he planted in Macedonia. Two-year journeys. At the end of that time, he was heading to Jerusalem. And he actually came down through Troas, down to Miletus, which is about just a little south of Ephesus, all the way down to Jerusalem. When he got to Jerusalem, there was a scenario where the Jews mobbed him because they believed that he had desecrated the temple by allowing a Gentile into it. It was such a difficult circumstance that the Roman soldiers had to intervene. They actually went to rescue Paul. They took him into custody to rescue him. But once he was in custody, he got entangled in the Roman judicial system. And he was taken from Jerusalem northwest to the coast to a place called Caesarea, which was the provincial capital, where the governor, the Roman governor Felix, was. And Felix put Paul in prison for two years in Caesarea, hoping to get a bribe from Paul to be released. And it never happened. Felix's successor was Festus, and Festus figured he could use Paul to calm the Jews down, and so his plan was to send Paul back to Jerusalem to be tried in a trial. But Paul invoked his right as a Roman citizen to say, I want my case heard by Caesar in Rome. So Paul was placed on a ship heading for Rome. In the midst of the storm, it was shipwrecked near and on the island of Malta. Now, eventually... Paul gets to Rome, and it's like 59 or 60 AD Then, when he gets there. And when he arrives, he he is placed in house arrest with a Roman guard for two years. And it's in this window of time that he writes this letter to his friends in Philippi. He writes a personal thank you letter to a people, to a church (laughs) that he had helped establish roughly 10 years before. That letter is one of the prison epistles. It's the last of the prison epistles. And although Paul's life was marked by adversity, the letter is marked by joy. What if our circumstances weren't as important as what we did with them? I want to take a look at this scripture. I want to walk through the scripture. I want to read it. And then I want to come back and walk through each piece of it. So if you've got a Bible, you can track along with me. If not, all the scriptures, for the most part, are in your guide scattered throughout. And there's, there's blank lines next to each scripture for you to do your own. Observe, interpret, and apply. That's the method that I encourage you to use whenever you read scripture. What's it saying? What does it mean? And how do I now live? So as we read through this, you can just listen or you can follow along with what you have in front of you in your own Bible. But this is starting with verse 12 when we're heading into the very first part of of verse 18. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, when I think about this scenario, I think many people would be tempted to become bitter based on their circumstances, based on the journey that Paul had had, even be tempted to give up on the whole Jesus thing. But but Paul understood the greater purpose in his circumstances. and, And his perspective allowed him to see the opportunity in those circumstances. And he realized that his circumstances were not as important as what he did with them. And I believe so can we, in whatever circumstances you're facing today. The reality is that in life, there's plenty of things that can lead us to a place of discouragement. Could be loss, could be financial pressures, could be hurts, different wounds, could be some kind of conflict or even sickness in your life. But how we respond to each of those things reflects our priorities and reflects our beliefs. And those who follow Jesus should always look for ways to advance the gospel in every circumstance. Because God works to reveal Christ in every situation. God works to reveal Christ in every situation. Say every. Say situation. It's every situation that God seeks to reveal his son. So... The world is looking for hope. The world is looking for joy. And we as Christ followers are actually positioned to demonstrate that. Let's take a look at how Paul worked through this journey. Back to verse 12. Here's what he says. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's saying, look, don't worry. It's okay. God is at work in this. It's, it's a perspective check. And he's saying, look, a reminder say, God seeks to work to reveal Christ in every situation, including my current situation. So don't worry. God is at work. Now, I already told you that Paul had been in a a prison context for a number of years already, but that was not the only trouble Paul had had. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul lays out a whole litany of the things that he experienced in his ministry. And I just want to read them to you. This is 2 Corinthians. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers, danger, 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 Will Roberts in danger. Like, you get the theme here. That in his circumstances, they were very difficult. Difficult. But he continues to roll on. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Oh, that's all. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. Yet, Paul, in the midst of all of that, is still able to rejoice. Verse 18 in chapter 1, y- yet I, I rejoice. Why was he able to do that? How was he able to do that? It's perspective. Perspective. His current circumstances were not as important as what he could do with them. You know, it was about 15 years ago that, that my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer stage 3C. And, uh, and she was given um, a prognosis of about three years. And that was a season for us as a family where we were pretty well positioned and tempted to ask why and what for. But, but I watched my mom and dad in that season choose, to be, choose faithfulness to God and to each other. And I watched them ask the what if question in that journey. And, and, and God was very gracious in that journey. In fact, um, the Lord allowed her to live 13 years, not just three. And, and in that journey, he began to redeem parts of it. He, he redeemed it in, in the relationships that she established with her oncologist and her nurses. He, he redeemed it in her own spiritual journey, in her own faith, in, in the lives that she impacted as she demonstrated that faith as they were encouraged. See, I, our circumstances are not as important as what we do with them. And I think sometimes when you and I come up against the bad news of life and the difficulties of life and the shipwrecks and the beatings and the lashings and all the stuff that Paul even talked about, like, we're tempted to go and run and hide and to ask what for, rather than to ask what if. And I really think that the proper position for a believer is to really stop and ask, what if my life right now could advance the gospel? And whatever the circumstance is in your life, what if my life could advance the gospel? What if we could honor Jesus today in our sickness, in that cancer, in that missed opportunity, in that job loss, in the political climate, in the brokenness of that relationship, in our suffering, in our false accusations from other people, in every trouble? What if our circumstances weren't as important as what we did with them? See, one of the realities that most fail to see is that our circumstances really are not as important as what we do with them, as what we do in them. This world is not our home. We're we're actually made for another world. We're made for a world without pain, without loss, without hardship. But for now, we live in this world. And what we do in our circumstances is more important than what our circumstances are. Because our God will always redeem everything He can. Our God will always redeem everything He can. He works all things for the good of those who love Him. He uses brokenness and pain in life to bring beauty from ashes. And God will always redeem everything He can Everything he can. Now see, he is able to redeem everything. But he can't redeem everything. He can't redeem the things we don't ask him to. The things we don't let him redeem. When we don't repent. When we don't ask him to intervene. When we don't open up our hands and offer to him that thing and submit it to his authority. He is not positioned to then redeem it. God will always redeem everything he can. He will always redeem everything he can. But he won't always fix everything he can redeem. He won't always fix it. See, he will use the brokenness and pain of life to bring beauty from ashes. But he doesn't necessarily stop or undo the brokenness. He doesn't always remove the hardship, the pain, or the loss. Rather, he empowers us to persevere in it. He works in it. God will always redeem everything he can, but he won't always fix everything he can redeem. I mean, he didn't stop Judas from betraying betraying Jesus but he used that to facilitate a divine rescue. He redeemed it. He, he didn't stop Stephen from being stoned to death, but he redeemed it to, stop, to start an unstoppable movement. He, he didn't rescue Paul from prison, but he used it to take the gospel into the heart of Rome. And he didn't stop that wound or loss that you've experienced in your life, but I know he wants to work to redeem it. Because he works all things for the good of those who love him. And he will always redeem everything he can. But he won't always fix everything he can redeem. Let's look at what that meant for Paul. Verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. So as a result of all of that churn in his life and his imprisonment, throughout the, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. See, Paul's status as an imperial prisoner has brought the gospel into the heart of the Roman Empire, to the Praetorian Guard. That's an unlikely place for the gospel. But when you and I live boldly and obediently like Paul, then God works and moves to reveal Christ in every situation. And I wonder, who knows of Christ or who has been encouraged to speak boldly of Christ because of you and your circumstances? The answer is likely no one, unless you are living with the perspective that your circumstances are not as important as what you do with them. Paul understood that, and therefore, many people knew about Christ. In fact, the believers were were positioned to live boldly. Most live boldly. We go back to verse 14. The the, the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Most of them had done that. There was an inspiration to it. Most of the followers became confident and sure in their faith, speaking fearlessly about God and about Jesus because of this, this issue of purpose. See, purpose turns circumstances into opportunities, that's your next philanthropy for tracking along. The purpose turns circumstances into opportunities. It, stand with the reason. Stand for $100 a minute versus stand for no reason. It's that purpose that gives circumstances the transition into opportunities. It's the reason behind the circumstances, the why behind the what. And they had that with Paul's example. And look, whatever you are facing today, whatever difficulty is in your life, you can either allow that to be a place of inspiration or discouragement for you and for others. But perspective allows us to see that opportunity in those circumstances, in every circumstance. And I wonder, what if everything in our life pointed to Christ? The good and the bad, the up and the down, the expected and the unexpected. Purpose turns circumstances into opportunities. You know, Every weekend as a ministry team, after the weekend we gather in different groups to debrief how things went. And we talk about what went well and how to do better. We talk about message and worship and flow and all the different dynamics around that whole thing. And as important as those conversations are, the most important thing is the advancement of the gospel. Whether or not people encountered God, whether or not people stepped into relationship with Jesus, and, and whether or not disciples actually become better at being disciples and reflecting Christ. They become disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Our heartbeat is to see people become disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And God, he works through us and he works in spite of us. And the reality is that those transformations that take place, they happen whether things go smoothly or not. Because God is at work amidst his people. I mean, results can be elusive, honestly. I mean, there's too many factors and variables to always have guaranteed results. But but obedience, that's what honors him. We can't control our circumstances, but faithfulness, that's what we can control. And we're not perfect as a people, we're not perfect as a church or a leadership team, but we are committed to positioning ourselves so that the gospel gospel can be advanced. And God does work through us, and he also has to work in spite of us at times. But that's why we're diligent to make sure that we're thinking differently, that we're reacting differently, that we're not letting our circumstances dictate life, but what we can do in those circumstances for the advancement of the gospel. You know, we, I think we tend to greet each other as people. We say, like, how you doing? What's up? How's it going? Things like that. And, and whenever somebody says that kind of question, we can respond typically out of our day or that recent season. We can talk about how we're doing emotionally, spiritually, uh, how, we're, how we're just doing relationally with people. We can talk about our circumstances. But the thing I find very interesting about Paul is that Paul always answered in light of the gospel, in light of the cause it, what if we answered questions from the perspective of the gospel? Not how we feel, not what's going well or not going well, but in light of the gospel. It was theologian Karl Barth who said this. He said, To the question, how is it with him or her, an apostle must react with information as to how it is with the gospel. That's proper perspective. Gospel first, Jesus first. How is it going? Well, that depends on how it's going with the gospel. He, he brings a good challenge in the truth that he, he, he states. It's about kingdom results. If we consider the results of Paul's journey, I mean, just in verse 13, the, the Praetorian guard is being exposed to the gospel. Followers of Christ are being emboldened to, to, to follow more bold, to clearly and to declare more clearly. There's a ripple and an impact. What if our circumstances are not as important as what we did with them? The next thing that Paul does, and he goes on in Scripture, he actually describes two groups of people. If you're looking at the Scripture, you can do that now. He's, he's like one group is motivated to love and desire to help. The other group is actually a little greedy, and they're, they're hoping to get something out of the circumstance for themselves. Their, their motives and perspective, they're, they're wrong. They're bad. And they looked at Paul as a competitor. So anytime something bad happened to Paul, they looked at that as a gain for them. Which to me, when I think about what's coming up in Philippians chapter two, when Paul says, consider others better than yourself, look not only at your own interest, but the interest of others, it's like, wow, that gives a whole new perspective. But these had this are the really two groups that, that Paul is describing. I want to take a look, take a look in verse fifteen. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely uh, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. So he's got these two groups in contrast. One is is seeking with a right perspective the advancement of the gospel, and the other is seeking selfish gain. But he does something very interesting to me that, that I would not be expecting if I was reading this for the first time. He basically says, look, I don't care what their motives are. Whether they're good or bad or or ambivalent, indifferent. The fact that Christ is proclaimed and preached, that's all that matters and I celebrate it. (laughs) Look at verse 18. He says this, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. What if the circumstances aren't as important as what we do with them? I really don't know how he could do that. I mean, how could he, in that place where people were seeking his harm for their own gain, celebrate it, even if they had false motives? Bottom line is, his current circumstances were not as important as what he did with them, because it was all about Jesus. I told you earlier that my mom started her cancer journey about 15 years ago, and how God started and worked to redeem pieces of that journey, and, and she has, it's been two and a half years since God called her home and I still miss her. But one of the ways that God redeemed her cancer journey is actually impacting you today. See, when I first heard that my mom had cancer, I looked at Beth and as we prayed through it, we didn't want our kids not knowing their grandmother and I was stationed in the central part of Pennsylvania as a trooper and they were in the western part and so we just spent time, I started transferring because I didn't want my kids not knowing their grandmother. And by the time we made it back into that area with them, we started attending a church. And it was in that church that God would call me into ministry, that God would call me out of law enforcement to preach the gospel, to preach Christ as a pastor. God didn't fix the cancer in my mom's body, but he redeemed it as he called me into more. What if our circumstances weren't as important as what we did with them? You know, there are things that happen in life, things that seem to get in the way, and how we respond to them is key. It could be cancer. It could be people with false motives. I mean, if this table was in the way, I could could angrily throw it aside, not very far because it's kind of heavy. I could ask somebody to come help me move it away, or I could just have somebody come take it away. But if the goal was that the table was ultimately moved out of the way, does it matter how it got moved? I mean, the proper perspective in life is keeping the first thing first. It's Jesus. It's the proclamation of Jesus, the good news of who he is and what he's done. Even if it means hardship for us, for Paul, even if it meant hardship for him, even if it cost him, or was it at his expense? It didn't matter because Jesus came first. Now, on a side note to motives, it it may not matter in the big picture when it comes to proclaiming Christ because God works to reveal Christ in every situation. But motives do matter in the life of the person embracing the motive. And we would be wise to always make sure our motives are right. God can still work through poor motives, but there are always consequences for the one who carries them. What if our current circumstances were not as important as what we did with them? Let's move to so what and wrap up our time today. I want you to know that today, whatever you face, you have an opportunity to choose a perspective, to choose a response that allows your circumstances, whatever they may be, to advance the gospel. Whether beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, persecuted, or or praised, Paul kept moving forward with joy because he had a proper perspective. He understood his purpose and he lived it from prison, as we read it, he told the Philippian church, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's perspective. He told the Corinthians, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Perspective. And to the church in Galatia, he wrote these words in chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is I who no longer live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, the life I now live in my circumstances, the life I now live whether suffering or in joy, whether things going well or not, the life I live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The circumstance is not as important as what I do in them. What if the trouble or affliction you face today could be used for the cause of Christ? That illness, that loss, pain, conflict, Success or joy? What if we chose to trust Him and chose to inspire others? Ultimately, we can surrender to our circumstances or His cause. We can surrender to our circumstances or to His cause. We can either surrender to, to something that is in front of us or something that is much bigger, something that is bigger than our circumstances. When we surrender us to our circumstances, though, we end up becoming subject to them. We get to decide if we're going to surrender to circumstances or to something bigger than those circumstances. Surrender comes in lots of ways. But I want you to keep in mind that we live at the mercy of what we surrender to. And when we surrender to our circumstances, we're tossed about by them. So on good days and bad days, we're pushed around. We're at the mercy of what happens to us. But when we surrender to a cause, to a greater purpose, we can have good days no matter what happens, because because it's based on what happens through us, not to us. Purpose turns circumstance into opportunities. Christ works for the good of all those who love him. And although we live in a world with trouble, we also live in the reality that he has overcome the world. And for Paul, it, it didn't matter what happened to him or even what happened to others as long as the gospel was advanced. That wasn't carelessness or being flippant. That was proper perspective of Christ first. And I believe that you and I, we can have that same perspective. And we can surrender to our circumstances or we can surrender to a cause that rises above them. What if, what if our current circumstances were not as important as what we did with them? Our current circumstances, that thing today that is positioning you to doubt, The thing that is positioning you to be tempted to quit to rail against god to choose to retreat and to hide rather than to risk boldly with god what if our current circumstance your current circumstance was not as important as what you did with it don't depend on your circumstances don't depend on something that you can lose Place your perspective and your eyes on Jesus. Choose to use your circumstances for Christ and like Paul, depend on him and him alone. What if your circumstances were not as important as what you did with them? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we have the ability to approach you boldly through Jesus. God, I thank you that no matter what circumstance we're in, that you are not only more than able But you are present. You are with us. By your spirit, you seek to lead and empower and and position. And even though, Father, we may find ourselves in difficult circumstances, you still want to reveal your son in them. You still want to bring glory to yourself. So whether, whether things are going well or not, we have an opportunity to bring glory to you, to place your son Jesus at the top of the list and allow his purpose and his kingdom to be advanced. Father, I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters as they process through the current circumstances in front of them. I pray that you'd help each one of us to to prioritize what we do in those circumstances more than really what those circumstances are. And we would look to see how you want to reveal your son in and through us for your glory. What you want to do in and through us, how you're going to redeem, even though you may not fix, you will redeem when we offer it up to you. So may you redeem not only our hearts and our lives, but may you redeem the circumstances we find ourselves in for your glory and your honor and your honor and your praise. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.